0: the first episode of the Danny Dimes primetime series episode this is episode 109 of YWC football talk overall you already know who's here with me it is Big Rat 310 we got a lot to cover we're going to be live reacting to Daniel Jones in primetime we're going to be talking a bit from last Sunday's game between the Pats and the Dolphins and we're going to be talking week two as a whole so Big Rat how are you feeling
1: feeling great uh thanks for having me on again um I'm excited to be here. Like, uh, I always love doing the show. It's always a fun time. And, you know, nothing makes a Daniel Jones uh, primetime game go by nicer than doing this podcast with you. We have seen, we saw his famous fall against the Eagles on Thursday Night Football last year, which we commented on live on the show as it happened. And then we also saw him against the Bucks when he was, like, very bad. And, Pratt and the Giants probably should have won that game if he had just been a little bit better uh so it's always an adventure and excited for what happens today
0: yeah exactly because i was saying that too because remember folks is like i said episode one of three because his i feel bad for him because his next two primetime games are both money night football but one's the chiefs and one's the buccaneers so (laughs) we're in for some so the next yeah because i remember last year when we did this we just like i just had you on and then we talked it out and then i think i realized afterwards hey both or i realized in the second one hey We both did the last two Daniel Jones primetime games. So for as long as he's in the league or with the Giants, at least, this is this is just going to
1: become a thing. And yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't planned. It just worked out that way. And then sure enough, this week when he's on primetime, it's like, oh, the Dolphins just played the Patriots and the Dolphins and the Patriots both have AFC East games this weekend. It like it couldn't be more perfect. It couldn't be more of a setup for me to come on again.
0: Exactly, exactly, and I guess we'll have to rip that. I was going to save it for a little bit later, but let's rip that Band-Aid off first. Um, for the folks you obviously know, Phil and I talked a bit about it, uh, talked a lot about it last Sunday on my post-game recap episode, and I brought it up again with Tommy on Monday a bit. But I want to get – I unfortunately now have to get the winning perspective of it in what was a very crucial and very, uh, very nail-biter of a 17-16 to 16 finish, a finish I didn't think could see coming – but at the same time, too, I feel like the Pats and the Dolphins in the B-Flow era, I, I think only the – I'm trying to think. I don't think the over has hit many times because I remember the last – both games last year were really low-scoring and then so was this one.
1: Yeah, I think the the under might have hit in the 2019 finale uh, because, because I think that was, what, 27-24? So I think the under hit in that one. But, um, yeah, like – i mean the over i think hit the over i think hit in twenty nineteen week seventeen but other than that yeah, it's been the under almost every time uh so yeah i mean these are these are i mean these these division games are always are always gonna be close. these two divisions in particular are very well coached, which also means the games will be close, and these two defenses um tend to have like pretty good personnel over the last few years uh which would also make the games kind of close. So like even the Patriots defense last year, I know it was a little disappointing, but it's still like it still did really nice on the on the against the Dolphins in December last year. It's kind of like a modern day Steelers Ravens almost. It doesn't have the the violence and the like animosity the same way. But yeah, there are always it seems like in the B-Flow Belichick eras, they're always going to be like low scoring back and forth, really tight games moving forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because that's one thing I was going to say, too, where. And also, the other thing is, I feel like there's not the fan aggression that you see. Like, I've seen shirts from Pittsburgh before where it says, F blank CK the Ravens, and it just says, I would like to buy a vowel. <laughs> like, like I never, like out of all the AFC East teams with the Patriots, like, I've never personally seen, like, any hate towards the, like, you see hate towards the Dolphins, but you don't see it, like, I think the same length as, like, what you see Bills fans hate the Patriots or, like, Jets hate the Patriots because of the whole Boston-New York thing. I feel like, like, New England-Miami, it's, like, you don't really get much of it as oh, Daniel Jones is a nice run, but falls short of the yard of gainage, or the falls short of the first down marker. <laughs> Let's see what he does here on third and one. But yeah, honestly, the one thing, the one takeaway I have from uh, Sunday for my end, both quarterbacks look really good. I like the performance from both guys. I Mac, I was really happy with Tua looked good too. But the one thing I want to get down with you is, what did you think of bringing in Jacoby Brissett?
1: So I liked it. Um, I heard I heard your podcast with Phil. And I can understand, you know, I can understand why fans like might view it as like uh, unorthodox to say the least. Obviously, so last year, the Colts did this a lot with Jacoby Brissett because Phillip Rivers uh, didn't want to take the QB sneaks. He didn't want to take the violence on the QB sneaks, even though he's like a tall guy. So they would bring in Jacoby for those plays and it was pretty effective. And uh, for the Dolphins, you know, phil I mean, Tua is certainly not afraid to take a hit. It has nothing to do with that, but it just seemed like, it seemed like something that would maximize their chances on short yardage. And I, I have no problem with it. We've seen this a lot with the Dolphins and with B-Flow. They do unorthodox things. And I like that a lot of my team. They're not afraid to do things that seem, seem like controversial, but like really just help the team win. The Dolphins, important context to add it, like to what you and Phil talked about on, on the other podcast. You know, The Dolphins are, like, are terrible in short yardage, historically in the Brian Flores era. They've been horrible. Like, two years ago, they tr- they thought Kalen Bellage would be the answer, and it didn't work. Last year, they thought they used Jordan Howard a lot on those plays, but then they caught him before the season even ended. Like, they're terrible in short yardage. So, I just don't mind – like, I don't mind having him in there for a very specific role. It's very effective, as we saw. It, it freaking won them the game, like, on that last drive, which-, which we'll talk about. So, I have no problem with it. Like, I think – It makes sense. You know, there's a logical reason behind it. I don't think it says anything about Tua or their confidence in him or anything like that. It's just a pure, like, mathematical thing. Like, it's a very, very pure basic math.
0: I also look at it the way, too, where I don't know Tua's exact height, but Jacoby Brissett, obviously a lot taller, that when you have those, I'm going to, oh, what a sneak by Daniel Jones there. He's going, oh, he's running, he's running. Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Okay, I think this is coming back for a hold, but Daniel Jones just ran, like, (laughs) That two years in a row now, like this oh, this is why this podcast is perfect i I kind of hope it stays, but I feel like it's coming back but it is. The one
1: spoiler alerts I'm a little bit ahead it is, but it's not it's not coming back the the whole way um it's just at one point in the run it's not the whole so he'll get he'll get some of the I think the way this works is it's spot of the foul, so he'll get like half of the rushing yardage and then ten yards back from that spot so
0: I, don't yeah, I see don't. it right. I see it right there on. I think it's CJ Board. Yeah, that's a clear holding. So he's at like the. I don't know where he'll end up, but we'll see where they exactly mark him on here. I just have my TV muted, which a lot of Giants fans in the crowd. Not that far of a drive, I guess. But uh, oh, they're they're in the red zone.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, oh yeah, I figured they'd be in the red zone. I just need all I need is for this game just to under to hit and the football team to win, and I win some cash. Um. But the thing I was gonna say with Sunday too is I just look at it as well where you have Jacoby Brissett who's bigger like just not bigger like weight wise but like height wise yeah. so where you know what if you need him to extend you can do it without the uh, ease and like you can do it where there's more ease I feel like with Tua there's more risk of injury happening just because he's a, obviously a smaller quarterback but the other thing I'll point out too with Miami that I I hated but I get why you guys did it was you guys used the slant routes to your advantage and you really drew in New England to basically think that they were going to go out, but then you cut in, did the slant runs, and got a lot of good short yardage first downs. Like, that was a very, I would say this, a well-coached game by Brian Flores.
1: Yeah, the slant the slant was very effective. I mean, as you can imagine with Waddle, like, that's a, it's such a great play because he's so fast. He's not just straight line speed fast. He's insanely agile. He's insanely quick. And, you know, the logic being when Fuller comes back, The belief is, you know, Waddle stretches you horizontally. And you saw that on that touchdown. Like they threw that pass to him and he ran all the way to the sideline and jumped at the last moment and was able to get in. A more impressive touchdown than I think I got credit for. A lot of receivers don't score there. He did because he's just so quick and so athletic. that he jumped from like the two-yard line and he got in. So he stretches you horizontally, which the slant takes advantage of. And then Fuller will stretch you vertically and will stretch you down the field. And so they, that, for that reason, the slant route is very complimentary and Devonte, Devonte, the slant worked with Devonte cause he's just so physical and like, he, he's not going to have the breakaway speed that Waddle will have, but he's just hard to bring down. He'll get extra yards off his slant. And you saw like on that play on the last drive, first and 14, they threw the slant to Devonte, and it nearly got the first down. I mean, that was the biggest play of that drive. Like that's what helped them get like the short yardage conversions to be able to ice the game. And so even for someone like Devontae Parker, who doesn't have 4-3 speed, it was still very effective. So yeah, it's a staple of the offense. Um, what's his name? Vernon forget his name, the CBS analyst, uh, Vernon Vernon Lundquist, maybe, uh, who comments who does announcing for a lot of SEC games with Gary Danielson. And I saw golf. one of their Yeah, yeah, and golf. One of their SEC games the year after Tua left, one of them said, I forget who it was, it was either Vern or Gary. One of them said Tua was the best slant thrower they've ever seen. So yeah, pretty straightforward that that would be a sizable part of the game plan.
0: And I'm not saying he's MVP, but I feel like it's the same thing that you've brought up for years with the Brady example, where 2009 he had an okay year, and then 2010, obviously, for I think it was the first ever unanimous MVP in the NFL. Yeah. this year, I feel like all that talk of Tua, all that talk of like, you know, Tua's a boss, they're going to trade for Watson, I feel like is not behind them, but the only way I can see it happening is if Tua just completely melts down <laughs> and just doesn't – Get anything accomplished, which I'm. I'm trying to figure. Are they going for the field goal here? Or are they going for the touchdown?
1: Uh, well, they got they got my guy uh, Sterling Shepard to catch, which I'm very thankful for because I, I have him in a lot of leagues. So that he has looked
0: really good in these first two games so far. He's like someone who I like. Got, I wish other sports did this where they had a most improved award. Like yeah. I like the comeback player of the year, but I really like the NBA's most improved player award. Like someone who you know, like. Like, for example, like look at what happened with Julius Randle this year. I know it's a New York example, as the yeah. Giants take a 10-7 to 7 lead. But you know where someone who wasn't maybe that good, and then they have this breakout season, they play great. And then instead of... Because a lot of the times for comeback player of the year, and I remember Shireen Williams of uh, PFT said this with Ryan Tannehill. It was, oh, he came back. Obviously, you know, he had the injuries, but he basically came back from sucking. She... She also said that she's a big AM supporter, and obviously Tannehill went to AM. and m So yeah. I feel like if you do those awards for Most Improved, I think it could speak a little bit better than Comeback. But at the same time, too, I feel like if you had both, it's not the worst thing in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Um, like Josh Allen last year would have won Most Improved if we if the award existed. He would have been like a perfect candidate for it. So, yeah, Sterling, Sterling's look very good. And on Tua, because I do want to talk about this. I do thank you and Phil. This is probably my biggest annoyance about how the game is come- what the game was covered. Um because as obviously look, like I'm a huge Dolphins fan, but I read a lot of Patriots stuff and I have a lot of going to what you said, like there's less animosity, I think, on the Dolphins Patriots end than it is the Dolphins with other teams, the Patriots with other teams. I mean look, like let's not get crazy here. It's not like they're friends, but yeah, certainly it doesn't have the same animosity. It doesn't have the New York New England rivalry. There's some respect, I think, because the Dolphins like pretty consistently beat the Patriots over the last ten years, um, in Miami. And I think that like change the narrative around the Dolphins relative to the Patriots, other AFC East opponents. And uh, so I read a lot of Patriots stuff and I have a lot of respect for the Patriots. I love Bill Belichick. think he's the best coach of all time. And uh, just reading the coverage of that game. And I saw a lot of people talk about how like, oh, like I think the Patriots like clearly outplayed the Dolphins. They only won because of the fumble and all this and that. And everyone talking about how the offense didn't look good and Tua didn't look good. It's like, I think Tua is so over-scrutinized. Like, I thought he generally played well, but because he had that pick, and it wasn't just a pick. It was like an ugly-looking interception. And it feels like some people defined his entire day by that. Like, I know Danny, our friend on Twitter, said he didn't play well, basically just because of that throw. And it wasn't even a bad decision. I saw some people say that. He said in his presser, he was trying to throw it away. He was not trying to throw that over the middle, like, to Albert Wilson and Gaseki. He was trying to throw it away. He got hit right as he threw it, and that's why the ball was off target. It was not an issue of decision-making or Tua trying to do too much or anything like that. He was trying to throw the ball away. It just He got hit at the same time. That's why the ball flopped. I don't think it's because he has a terrible arm or anything like that. I think he was hit. I think that explains everything. So, yeah, Tua, the offense played well. The offense had nine drives. Two of those drives were touchdown drives. One of the drives was a field goal drive. And the drive to end the game, which no one is talking about, was huge. When the Patriots fumbled, it's not like there was 40 seconds on the clock. There was still like three and a half minutes left. Like if this, if, this, if this Dolphins offense and Tua is as bad as a lot of people told me they were throughout that game, why didn't the Patriots stop them with three minutes left and three timeouts and give their offense a chance to get the ball back? Remember, the Dolphins, they had a penalty on their first play. They were on their own three-yard line. They were on their own three-yard line, first and 14, and they iced the game and never gave the ball back. You don't do that if the defense is so clearly better than your offense was. And I, I know you acknowledge that and Phil acknowledged that. And I credit the guys on the the Patriots Unfiltered podcast, Paul Perillo, Mike Dussault. I listened to their review of the game and they said, like, I don't care that the Dolphins only scored 17 points. I do not think the Patriots defense played well today. I think the Dolphins defense got the best of them. And I, I very much agree with that after watching the game. Like, it was a division game. It was a close game. The Dolphins obviously played ball control at times. But, like, I thought the offense generally, you know, for all the criticisms of Tua, you know, he had a higher yards per attempt than Mac did in that game. And Tua was sixth in the NFL in average depth of target. Like, idiots like Danny, who I love, I'm using that term affectionately, like constantly talking about, like, he never goes down the field. He's a check down king. He was sixth in the NFL in depth of target on Sunday. More than Patrick Mahomes. More than Josh Allen. More than... Almost anyone in the league, he was sixth in average depth of target. They were going downfield. You saw it with that Devontae Parker huge catch over J.C. Jackson, which was on third down. You saw it with the play to Jalen Waddell, um, the the deep shot down the field. And then there was other plays that got dropped. Jalen Waddle dropped a huge play on third and 15 that Tua made a nice throw on. If he doesn't drop that pass, that would have been a very different game. And then Devontae dropped another one, but J.C. Jackson made a good play on it over the middle. Like I thought he played well. The pick looked terrible. But because of that pick, it just seems like because there's so much scrutiny in the Deshaun Watson thing, it's like the pick is like how he played. Like that's his whole performance is that interception. And I just don't think that's fair. And I don't agree with the feedback a lot of people have been giving on Tua and on the Dolphins offense as a whole. And last thing I'll say on this spiel, football outsiders, um, I checked their DVOA rankings this weekend. Because I've heard so much about, oh, the Patriots had more yards. The Patriots ran more plays. Yeah, the Patriots ran more plays because they had longer drives. Like, it's so impressive the Patriots were as good as they were on third down. Don't get me wrong. But they were always on third down. They almost never got a first down conversion on first or second down. That's why their drives kept going so long. Like, the Dolphins were the team that had the shot plays. Like, that play to Devontae Parker, yes, that's only one play. But it's like a 36-yard play. It would take the Patriots like five to six plays to get something equivalent to that. So, like, the Dolphins are being, like, unfairly punished in the box score because they had more big plays than the Patriots did. And last thing I'll say on the DVOA rankings, for everyone who thinks the Patriots' defense played well against the Dolphins' offense, the Dolphins' offense ranked 14th in DVOA of all 32 teams this past weekend. So slightly above average. Football Outsiders are saying the Dolphins had a slightly above average offense. Consequently, the Patriots' defense ranked 18th, a slightly below average defense. So 14th-ranked offense for the Dolphins, 18th-ranked defense for the Patriots based on that game. So Football Outsiders is telling you the Dolphins offense outplayed the Patriots defense. And you agree. I agree. I think that's what it was. But because they only scored 17 points and Tua threw a bad pick, that's not really how people are discussing the game. When people should be giving credit to the Dolphins offense for putting together two touchdown drives and icing the game with three minutes left on the road in a division game in week one. So... Yeah, I thought the Dolphins offense had a good day,
0: and Waddle's great. You, you, you know what? You, you nailed all the points on the head. Like, I don't have anything to add to it. But the only thing I'm going to say with that interception was, you know what? Yeah, like, you had Matthew Judon barreling down at you. You hear my dog barking because so my parents just got home. But, um, yeah, that's just the thing. Like, you can't really put that one interception on him. He was just trying to get rid of it, and, yeah, just luck happens to go its way. It's like I, we can talk about it quickly, but Monday night's game, Lamar had the same thing too, where I believe he had a ball go off an offensive lineman's hand, or it was, it was either Lamar or Derek Carr. One of them threw an interception that yeah. was like that, where it went off the lineman's, when it went off the lineman and it bounced right. I'm pretty sure it was Lamar who threw it, who basically threw it. It tipped off an, a lineman's hand, or just went off like his, the top of his hand or his wrist, and then the uh, opposing team caught it and got the interception. Which, I'll say this right now, the for that game, the first 55 minutes were boring as fuck, but then the last five minutes were fun. And yeah, they,
1: yeah, they were crazy. I, I think it was Carr. Well, I mean, I think Lamar threw it off on the offensive lineman's head, and it was a dropped pick, but Lamar didn't have a pick. So it was, That's what it was. You know, yeah, it's, it's either the drop pick or it's Derek Carr's pick in the end zone. But, but, yeah, it's probably the one of the two either way.
0: I'm pretty sure it was the Lamar one. I think the other one was a clean one, which I will say this right now. Man, Marlon Humphrey, I think, is one of the best corners in football.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he was he was playing well until that very last play. But it was also a weird situation. It's like the the Ravens had to go all out blitz there because the the Raiders are just going to settle for a field goal. So I don't blame them
0: even though obviously it didn't work out. Exactly. Um but no, I have nothing else to really add for like our game. Like look, it just it is what it is. Um you guys got the win. I know I'm going to say this too. I think the win was more important for you guys than it was for us. Because yes. I know for you guys, obviously, because you have Buffalo coming up, and then you have Vegas, um, in Vegas next Sunday. So we'll see where those go. But the fact that you have Buffalo, you have like these, this kind of this pestering little monkey that's been on your back for years with Josh Allen, like not being able to beat him. You needed that win, so now you know what Sunday you can go and in with confidence. Because like, look, now you're one and zero. If your best case scenario, your worst case scenario now is one and one, which is not a bad worst case scenario. Meanwhile, their worst case scenario is zero and two which we'll get into later, just because, like, the way I like to do it for games is just go down the list and uh, head, to, like, from, from what I see on my app, on the score app, from what the first game list is to the Monday Nighter. I would do this game right now, but obviously it's live, and I think we both agree if we want the football team to win. Mm-hmm. But Broncos, Jags, I literally have nothing better to say. Like, I'm picking the Broncos to win. Broncos were one of my, not surprised in the sense that they won, but surprised in the sense of how well they played and how good Teddy Bridgewater looked. But my question to you is, Six six points. Do you think they cover? Or do you think they uh, do you think they win by more than six? Or do you think it's a closer game?
1: I wouldn't. I, I would not pick them to cover. Um, obviously, the Jaguars. Like we kind of talked about, like when we gloriously predicted the Texans to win its first Survivor League. One of the arguments we kept bringing up was the Jags could start slow. They have a rookie quarterback, Urban Meyer, transitioning to the NFL. They just lost ETN. Like they kind of have a lot of things going on. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Jags like put up a stinker. Certainly Vic Fangio may be like the lower rent version of Belichick against the rookie quarterback. I mean, I saw him destroy Tua last year who took six sacks against the Broncos. So like, I I, I definitely could see the Broncos destroying here, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick them to cover um because it's in Jackson. It's in Jacksonville. They're going to have fans. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence's first ever home game. You know, the Broncos, I think, The Broncos, even though they look good, and I'll also bring up, I'm the one who on our AFC preview podcast, I picked the Broncos to go to the playoffs. I said they'd go 10 and 7. So I wasn't surprised at all to see them kill the Giants. I still think they need to show a little more before we're super confident that they can blow out a team. Like, it's one thing to think they're going to win, but if you think they're going to cover 7, you think they're going to win by, I mean, 6. You think they're going to win by a touchdown or more. And I just don't think they've shown enough yet to prove that they deserve that kind of respect. So... I would pick them to win. I'd take the Jags on the spread.
0: I'm going to take the Jags on the spread. But I'm going to take the Broncos to win, but I'm going to go 24 to like 20 kind of game.
1: Yeah. And remember if you're taking the Jags for, if anyone's going to bet this, like you can get a backdoor, you could be down 10 points and get a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. And uh, you can also push 6.6 is a key number. You can lose by two field goals, like 26 to 20 and still push. So yeah, I, a lot, lot, of, lot, of, lot of outs, as they say in poker, for you to,
0: for you to cash in on this one. Exactly. Um, but, like, that, cause that's, that's just the one thing with this game. Like, that, I think, like, Denver, too, I know they're going to make the playoffs. It's just for me, my big thing is they don't have a challenge until week f- – well, like, their schedule is, like, obviously Giants, then Jaguars, then home to the Jets next week. But then after that, they're October, Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns football team – if they can make it out of that five-game stretch in October with say a three and two record, mm-hmm. then I think I'll start to buy stock in them. But if they like say if they go three and oh but then go one and four in October, I'm gonna be very hesitant on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree on that. Uh like th- this will be this this will be a huge win for Denver. Like they their home field advantage is great. So like if they can get two road wins to start the year, that'd be that'd be really nice.
0: Exactly. And uh, moving on now to your game as second here, um, oh Buffalo, boy. Ver- Buffalo <laughs> versus Miami. Buffalo is a three-point favorite, three-and-a-half-point favorite, the over-under at 48. Uh, if I'm a betting man, I am a betting man actually now, which someone messaged me tonight saying I should get a gambling hat and a fedora, but I don't <laughs> know if that's my style. Um, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm I'm picking you guys to go 2-0. and I honestly think, you know what, three, I'm going to say this though, I think three-and-a-half points, I think this is like a three-point game. I'm going to put a score, I'm going to put a little ball in the score. I'm going to go 27. Actually, you know what? Yeah, 27-24 I think would be the score of this game. I think it's a little higher scoring than last week. But at the same time, too, I think your defense can do just enough because Buffalo's O-line was really not that – Buffalo's O-line against Pittsburgh, man, there were some moments that made you kind of go, like kind of panic. But no, I'm thinking, you know what? You guys are going to get that monkey off your back. And because I'll say this right now, if the Bills start 0-2, man, there's going to be a lot of rumblings about – is this a one-year wonder? But if they win on Sunday, obviously that goes away. But if they go all in two, I think you start to sound, ring some alarm bells at Buffalo.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Um, this is obviously uh, obviously a big game for the Dolphins, a big game for Tua, a big game for the defense, like pretty much all around. And, uh, you know, one, like I, like I said, I thought the Dolphins looked good last week. Uh, football Outsiders has them as the 10th overall team in football right now the 14th ranked offense and the 10th ranked defense. So football outsiders as of now, at least thinks this was a top 10 team last week. And uh, I think they look good. I I would uh, just last thing, by the way, on that Patriots game that I forgot to mention earlier, that I think is important. I've seen a lot of people say, well, if the Patriots don't fumble, they just obviously win that game. And I'll say, look, if the Patriots had scored a touchdown, then, you know, that's one thing. If the Patriots had settled for a field goal and the Dolphins offense were given, you know, two and a half minutes to drive for a field goal drive, with the best kicker in football. I mean, Justin Tucker's the best kicker in football, but Jason Sanders last year, first team all pro. So if they needed a field goal to win that game, like based on how they played on that final drive, I think they would have gotten it because they were backed up on their own three yard line and they drove 30 yards in three minutes to ice the game. So the Patriots couldn't get the ball back. So I think the dolphins, if they needed a field goal would have gotten it, and would have won, even if Harris didn't fumble, but if the Patriots had scored a touchdown, maybe they would not have scored a touchdown in response. So, that kind of sums up my thoughts on the game. So I very much resent the whole, like, they would have they would have won if Harris didn't fumble. I don't agree with that. You don't know that for sure. It depends on what would have happened. And they weren't great in the red zone all day. So not even a guarantee they score a touchdown. So, yeah, I thought the Dolphins looked good. Big game. You know, Brian Flores has been destroyed by Josh Allen. He's 0-4 against Josh Allen in the last four games. And Josh Allen has lit him up, too. Like, le- 11 yards per attempt, 100 yards rushing. Like, he's just killed him. In these games Um, but this is huge for the Dolphins if the Dolphins win this game they will essentially have a two and a half point lead two and a half game lead over the bills in the division if the Dolphins win this game they only have four division games left and two of them are against the Jets to put it in context last year the Dolphins went ten and six but they went three and three in the division swept the Jets split with the Pats got swept by the bills if they win this game and they sweep the Jets again They'll go four and two in the division this year, even if they lose to the Patriots and the Bills in the rematch games. And if they go four and two, that could be the difference in them making the playoffs this year. I really do think if the Dolphins win this game, you know, knock on wood, like who knows with injuries and all things like that. But if they win this game and they just like kind of do their usual thing every week, I think it's gonna be really hard for them to miss the playoffs if they win this game. So this is huge. There's not gonna lie to you, Griff, like the atmosphere. I was talking to one of my friends about this. The atmosphere in Miami, like, it feels like a December game. Like, it just feels like such a huge game. Yes, it's only September. Yes, it's only week two, but it just feels so important. If they win, if they finally get that demon off their back, you know, it would just do so much for this team, so much for the confidence of this team. Um, This feels like their moment. It feels like it's finally time. Like, I just think Brian Flores is too good of a defensive coach to keep getting killed by Josh Allen. You didn't see a lot of Jalen Phillips in week one, but I think there's going to be like more use of him this week. There's some belief that him as the spy for Josh Allen might be in the game plan because he's really athletic. Like Belichick raved about his athleticism before the Dolphins game. He's big enough and fast enough to chase him, and not just chase him, but take him down. That's the problem with Allen. Like, even when defenders get to him, they can't bring him down because he's a fucking tank. So the belief is that with Jalen Phillips, that could be our ace in the hole. That is the difference, that we didn't have last year in the last two games against him so i like the dolphins chances i do think the bills you know I, it feels weird to predict the bills to go zero and two i know they're desperate but i think the dolphins are going to be desperate too i think the dolphins realize they cannot lose this game if they want to win the division and uh i think the dolphins you know on the spread the dolphins only lost by four points last year in the miami game they only lost by four with fits so three and a half And I think this Finns team is better than last year's team. And I think the Bills are a little worse than last year's Bills team. I think three and a half is money. Like even if the Bills win this game, I just can't see the Bills killing us in hard rock. I think if the Bills win, they'll win by a field goal. Um, So I I really love the Dolphins on the spread for that
0: reason. I'm going to hate myself for this, but do you remember up until the Miracle Miami how close it was? It was like just punch for punch? Yeah, yeah. I could see this game being very similar kind of game, you know, where it's just possession for possession, just punch for punch.
1: Yeah, and and it could could be the kind of game where, like, the Dolphins force turnovers again. Because Allen, you know, last week, he kind of started – it's just one game. Like, we can't overreact, obviously. But that Josh Allen of last week looked like the 2019 version of Josh Allen. Like, he was inaccurate on his deep ball. He took some bad sacks. He, like – he put the ball in harm's way a few more times. It could be the kind of punch-for-punch game where the Dolphins get, like, an Xavier Howard interception in the fourth quarter – You know, like a a Bills fumble in the first quarter, and then everyone will say what they said in the Patriots game. Oh, the Bills had more yards, but the Dolphins got lucky with turnovers again. I'm just not sure it's luck. Like, Here's a stat for everyone. They have a turnover in 23 straight games, which leads the NFL. The team that's in second has a turnover in eight straight games. That's the difference, 23 and eight. Maybe they are just on a really crazy hot streak of luck, or maybe they're just... A really well-coached team like the Patriots were in the early 2000s, where they would get turnovers pretty much every game. The Patriots would always rank in the top ten in turnovers under Belichick. Like, maybe maybe being first in the league is not possible, but they can be like a top five, top six team in turnovers. So we'll see.
0: You know, we'll we'll see. But I'm I'm, I'm excited for this game. I'm going to be keeping up with it. Obviously, my boys might want to talk, but we'll get into that later. I'll be Moving there. On I'll, on be there.
1: I'll, I'll 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 be there. By the way, so. I'll be there in a fit of nerves.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, you're going to be there, and I'm pretty sure. I think I saw that Danny is going to be at the uh, Patriots-Jets game on Sunday. The the Patriots-Jets game. So let's make that two YWC Football Talk uh, guests that will be at football games this coming Sunday. Both both huge games for both teams. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. But moving on now for the – Houston, oh, also, too, there's a – I just saw a commercial for a documentary coming up that's going to be about the NFL in Canada featuring uh, Javon Holland, Chase Claypool, and uh, Chuba Hubbard. Nice, nice. Through Uninterrupted Canada.
1: Javon Holland, by the way, highest-rated rookie in week one of any – I think – I don't know if it was any rookie or defensive rookie, but definitely the highest-rated defensive rookie of anyone in week one. So that, that was encouraging
0: he had that really good tackle against uh John, on yeah on John U.
1: yeah just he
0: was willing just to throw himself out there like you know what I'll always be supportive of Canadians no matter what team they play for. like even <laughs> I saw Benjamin like Benjamin Saint juice in this game but we went on to the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns um I think we're both gonna go do we both want to go uh Cleveland here are you gonna be surprised again and uh twelve i I still have a feeling that they're gonna cover 12 and a half, but I can still see this being like a, I don't know, like a 23 to 13 kind of game.
1: Yeah. Uh, not, um, uh, I'm not, not predicting any like crazy upset here or anything like that. Uh, cause I do think it could be, it could kind of go either way. Um, so I, I, I mean, not either way in terms of the result, either way in terms of the spread. Uh I, yeah no I, I think Cleveland's going to win. I think this is a good team even though I think they're overrated. It's not like I I think they're overrated in the sense that I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. It's not like I think they're a bad team or anything like that. And uh you know I I'm a little skeptical of the Jags, so I'm not sure the Texans are as good as they showed. I also think the Texans in week 1 it was a very emotional spot. Like they've been they've been just destroyed all summer. This team sucks. This is going to go all in, They're going to go all in 16. They're horrible. The, the Deshaun Watson stuff nonstop, the Deshaun Watson trade rumors, like they went through a lot. It just seemed like a very emotional game. And you see this from – team like Danny, one of the worst Jets teams I've ever seen in my life, the 2012 Jets, that went 6-10. and 10, And they were just getting killed by the New York media all summer that year. And in week one, they just destroyed the Bills, like 48-10 to 10 or something like that because like all that pent-up emotion of being dunked on for a summer – like let manifested on the field. So I don't know if the Texans are going to have that same energy in week two. I think water finds its level. I think the Browns win. I think the Browns bounce back whether or not they cover. It seems like it's going to entirely depend on whether or not the Texans get like a, a fourth quarter touchdown drive in that will determine whether or not they cover. Uh, so I, I'm kind of staying away from the spread, but I, I, like, I like Cleveland here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sam, I'm going Browns. Um, But moving on to the next game, Bengals and Browns, which i got to say, Bengals really impressed me week one. Yeah. And for that, I'm going with Cincinnati to win. Um, but I'll take them to cover two and a half as well. Um, I was, I said this because uh, I don't know if you know him, but Tommy Stout, uh, he was on Monday. And he's a Bears fan from the chicago light area. But I basically said to him, and we've agreed on the same thing. Like, okay, the offense didn't look too bad. The front seven looked good. But, man, their secondary looked yeah. terrible against the Rams.
1: You can feel the lack of Kyle Fuller, um, like yeah. start start to rear its ugly head. I got the Bengals here too. Uh, I I took the Bengals on the spread. I actually bet money on that, and uh, I think the Bengals are not a bad. This is the best, in my opinion, risky survivor league pick this week because you know it's not like the Bengals are going to be a playoff team. I don't think their division. I just think their division's too hard. Even if they look good, they're going to have to beat Baltimore and Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and I think that's going to be tough. Um, so, not really a team you're worried about saving for down the line so it's okay to burn them here they're not going to be super popular because they're underdogs because there's not a lot of trust in zach taylor but i think if you wanted like if you wanted like a riskier survivor pick this week i think this would be the one where yeah there's obviously risk but there's a good chance they win and then you don't have to worry about using them again uh so i i like the Bengals here on the spread and on the money line
0: sam you know what sam, i'm in the same i just for survival i i still don't know what i'm going to do but that's one that I'm going to consider. Uh, um, next up, we have. Well, oh yeah, also, also,
1: sorry. What, what, last thing I just wanted to say: uh, Bengals defense also a little better than people think. They were 19th in Football Outsiders DVOA this past weekend, and uh, you know they have they ha- they brought in Trey Hendrickson. Uh, Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties in the league. Sam I think their Hubbard. defense, yeah, Sam Hubbard like rush as well. Like I think I think their defense is going to be better than people think. They're not going to be like a bottom five defense like they normally are every single year. I think it's going to be middle of the pack. And if their defense has been all in the pack and their offense takes a step forward, that, that could that could help them. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Moving on.
0: You know what this team remi- – this Bengals team, I, I think of it because of two things. One, it reminds me of like those mid-2010s Bills teams, you know, where they would get off to like a 3-0 and start and yeah. then go like yeah. – just go on like a four- or five-game losing streak. Or even to um, the 2012 Cardinals just happened to where they got a huge upset week two in New England. I remember I think it was like John Skelton was a quarterback – they started off like i think 4 and 0 but then they finished 4 and 12
1: yes yes i know i know the exact game you're talking about that was when uh the, the 2012 cardinals that was the game where ken wisenhunt was asked in a press conference um, how can you fix this team like later in the season uh, like what does this team need to improve and ken wisenhunt just told the reporter can you play quarterback for us
0: <laughs> i think it was kevin i think Skelton got hurt and then it was kevin called who started the rest of the year
1: yeah. 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 It was, they, they started, they started four and O they beat the dolphins in overtime. I remember, uh, Brian Hartline, Brian Hartline had like 200 yards receiving in that game. And, uh, they started four and O and then they went, they, they started four and O and they finished a five and 11. They went on a nine game losing streak.
0: Yikes. Yikes. Yikes indeed. Well, anyway, back to what I was saying before. Moving on. San Francisco at Philly. Three-point spread cover for uh, San Francisco over under at 49-and-a-half. Um, I, I love how Philadelphia Eagle fans are kind of like on this like high horse because I'll be honest with you, same thing too. Jalen Hurts, holy crap. Devonta Smith looked really good. Part of me thinks – I think this is going to be a close game, but I think San Francisco, for Jesus Christ, made of glass. But – I, I like San Francisco, but I feel like last week what happened with them was I think they just took their foot off the gas when they were up a lot, and that's why they kind of let Detroit come back into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Indianapolis Colts hard, knock in, hard knocks in season. Yeah, I saw that. That's I like that. Cool. I like that they're doing the Colts just because of the whole Carson Wentz drama and everything like that. But, no, moving on to this game, uh, I'm going to the Niners. I think it will be a close game, though. I can see it being like a 23-20. Uh, to 20, You know where it's a lot of those like – close third-down drives where they have to set off a field goals, stuff like that. Um, I'm also going to say with San Francisco, too, I feel like we're not going to see uh, – I think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think we'll see Trey Lance anytime soon, but I could see him being put in there for a couple trick plays here and there just to like kind of you know spice things up, kind of like what you were saying, what the Dolphins did.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. And, uh, like, you know, like – her. I, what's his name? Trey Lance threw a touchdown pass last week. Uh, so, like, you know, he's definitely – involved in their package sets and you're seeing the bears do this with fields like kind of having their their wildcat quarterback but the key to this and i think that's what like what makes it different from like uh what the jets did what the jets did with brad smith what the dolphins did with pat white years ago years ago talking 10 years ago now you have to be willing to let the guys throw so lance and fields they're not just coming in to run the ball if they need to they can throw for a touchdown pass and that's what makes it like Really effective because it's a triple threat. Like you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so I would agree with you there. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Eagles could win this game. I have a weird feeling that the Eagles kind of like the Cardinals we just talked about, but maybe not quite that bad. They seem to me like a team that can go three and one in September and then slowly get worse as the year goes along. So I, cause they're, they're like a top heavy team. They're really good in the trenches, but they're very old. Like, if they get a few offensive line injuries, like, their three best offensive linemen, I think, are all over the age of 30. So if they get some offensive line injuries, that could, like, derail their season, like it usually does. Um, And on the defensive line, you know, they're relying on Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, who both are also over 30. So I think uh, they seem to me like a team that will start hot in September, get worse as the year goes along. Would not surprise me at all if the Eagles win this game, saying it right now.
0: You know what this team reminds me of? Last year's Bears— Yes. You know where they get a few wins, but then October, November comes around, they get a couple of injuries, and they yep. just hit a snide where they start playing bad. Um, but like I said earlier, too, and also one thing I want to say as well is um, one player I think that kind of goes unnoticed, but at the same time, too, you know him for his character. But I think if you were to retire, I think Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, been in the league long enough, played at a high level for long enough. Yeah, d- definitely, definitely don't disagree there.
0: Yeah, but no, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked either if that happened. Um, like I said before, Jalen Hurts looked really good. Devonta Smith is going to be a good receiver in this league. But yeah, I agree with you. They're just at that age where I feel like, like that's literally it. That's what they're at that age where they're just too old. And I think we'll talk about them obviously because their game's at four o'clock for some reason. But with Atlanta, I think everyone kind of found out like, look, this team—they still think they have a chance, but in reality, they're just pushing off rebuilding.
1: Yeah, they—they've got—they've got work to do. Love, I mean. You know, we still have to see with with with. I mean, I know we're we're gonna actually we'll, we'll talk about them later. So I'll just wait till we get to their game. Only
0: well, the other thing I'll say too is is that hopefully Elijah Mitchell plays well, and I think George Kittle has a better fantasy week. So I know a lot of people were pissed off because he only had eleven points in week one.
1: And so same with same with Ayuk, who had a bagel. Um, I I understand that, like Shanahan said, that he's got to do some work to take snaps away from Trent Sherfield. Ayuk was really good last year. Like I know our friend Trademark was asking me if he should bench Ayuk for – he should bench Ayuk for someone that was like – like someone that was like clearly worse than Ayuk. I forget who it was. Uh, Bench Ayuk for – oh, for James Conner. And I I told him no because I just can't believe Ayuk. Ayuk was too good last year to not be used. I don't think Devo Samuel is going to hog – hug all the air yards and all the targets like he did last weekend. I think you'll see a more balanced distribution. I think Ayuk will get his. I think uh Kittle will get his too.
0: So also with Ayuk, uh last year Sunday night football, Eagles, Niners, Ayuk had an incredible uh touchdown pass from uh, I believe Nick Mullins.
1: Yep, yep, very true.
0: Yep. Well moving on next, uh Saints Panthers. Saints are a three and a half favorite, which not a surprise for that they won, but the surprise for how much they won by, how much they dominated. But with the Saints here, I'm picking them. And I know the Jets, and the Panthers looked good last week. Uh, Jared and I heavily pumped their defense's tires on the NFC preview show. I even, I even started coming on saying I think Brian Burns is an outside defensive player of the year candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he'll win, but he'll be in that top five. Con- he could be in the top ten conversation. But um, I think this is a game where, kind of <laughs> like what happened for the Bills and the Dolphins for the last like few seasons. New Orleans always seems to have their num- have the number for uh, Carolina. And I think at the end of the day, too, if I'm the biggest battle I have to pick here, the New Orleans defensive line is a lot better than Carolina's offensive line, which really is not that good.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. Um, you know, it's tough. This one to me is tough for the spread because I, I just hate taking division road favorites. Um, it's just... This is the spot like I would do with this is like like I'm biased as a Dolphins fan, like the Patriots. They come to Miami. They're like eight point favorites in Miami. And I would just always like, no, no, no. Like take the home team, take the home division team. They're never as, division games are usually close. It's never as bad as you think. But also the spread is not that big either. It's only three and it's and only three and a half. Yeah. Like you could totally see the Saints winning 24 to 20. And like and like if that happens, most people would say, although oh, the Panthers like put up a good fight. But like, tw- like, so you could totally see that 24 to 20 Saints win. So I-, I just, I don't know what to do with the spread. I think the Panthers are better than they were last year. I think, I'm not confident that Darnold was better than Teddy when both are healthy. I think Teddy, Teddy sprained his MCL last year and he wasn't the same quarterback after that. Like if you look at his numbers before and after the MCL sprain, it was very different. And this was true of Jacoby Brissett with the Colts too. Like remember the Colts in 2019, they beat the Chiefs. They started five and three. And then they struggled the second half of the year. It's very similar. Like he had an MCL injury and it was never the same before and after. So, um, you know, I don't, I I don't really know. Like, I don't really know if Darnold's like a huge upgrade per se, but I think the defense is better. I think the coaching is better because I think Matt Rule is more comfortable in the second season. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think the Saints are quite as good as they showed. I I believe in the defense and I believe in Sean Payton and Kamara and Jameis to an extent, but I don't think they're quite as good as they were against the Packers so I, I just think it's going to be a close coin flip game. I don't really know who wins. I don't know who covers. So stay away from me.
0: Last year, too, the first time the Saints and the Panthers played was also before. Because I believe Teddy hurt his MCL. It was a Thursday night game, I believe, against the Falcons. Yeah, the Falcons. And a couple weeks before that, Teddy played um, against the Saints in New Orleans. And the game was 27-24 to for the Saints. I believe they won on a Wolats field goal. So Yep. I I guess see a very similar game, you know, 24-21, 27-24, like that kind of style of game. But anyway, I'm going with the Saints this week because next week they're obviously going to lose. Rams at Colts. um, I'm going to say this right now. If the Colts' offensive line plays the way they did last week, Carson Wentz is going to be on his ass for at least half this game.
1: Yep. They have to play a lot better. And I think I think Braden Smith got hurt too, like to build on what happened last week. This is this is such a tough one for me because like you could totally see the world where like the Colts bounce back. Like you could totally see the world where the offensive line looks like last year's offensive line. They look like a better offense. It's cl- back and forth. It's close. I think the Colts' defense is still good. I understand Russell Wilson tore him up, but I'm just. Like what the Colts, the Colts defense, like in their zone, their two deep safety looks, they're not going to give up the kind of touchdowns the Rams scored last week. The, the, The bomb to Cooper Cup, the bomb to Van Jefferson. Like you, I just don't think it would happen the same way. I understand they gave up long touchdowns to Tyler Lockett, but I don't, I think zone defenses like this that are well coached, they tend to be really good at limiting big plays. And I just have a hard time seeing them do that two weeks in a row. So I think they can limit the Rams big plays. I think they can look good. But like you said, you know, this is another team that is is projected to start slow. Like, they had the issues in with COVID. They had the issues in training camp. No Carson Wentz for pretty much the entire summer. You could totally see them starting slow, like, ten sacks. and Not actually ten, but, like, six sacks in this game and them losing by ten points. You could totally see that. So, it's just the Colts, I think, have the widest range of any team in football right now. Like, they could be really good or they could be really bad. Like, no one really knows because – we just haven't really seen the team together consistently long enough. And I agree with you. If the offensive line isn't in shape, it's going to be ugly.
0: And also, too, um, a player to watch out for if you are playing Daily Fantasy is Zach Pascal. He's a player yeah. like – obviously, we have our boy, Pittman. He didn't have the best game week one. He's just oh. he's just getting warm. Just give, give, give him some time. Absolutely. But this is, a, this is a game, though, I feel like the Colts have to win because of their schedule. We all know they have the murderer's row where I believe they have Tennessee week uh, – Week three, which we'll uh, get into later, but I'm gonna go with the Rams here to win. They also were the top team for play action pass in week one. I feel like they're gonna do that, but I feel like if the if the Colts secondary will be better at recognizing everything like that, I feel like Matt Eberflus is gonna have a better game plan. But I still am gonna go with a pretty wide margin of victory. I'm gonna say 31 to 20, uh, Rams win. Uh yeah,
1: I, I think I think ultimately if I had to pick one of the two outcomes we discussed, it would probably be a Rams win. It would probably be the Colts O-line not looking good, Wentz throwing a bad pick somewhere along the line. Uh so I'm gonna predict that as well. But I I I would not – if the Colts O-line could just get their act together and the Rams – and the Colts defense doesn't allow the big plays that the Rams had last week, it would not surprise me at all if the Colts win this game because it is at home. They lost at home last week. It's going to be really rough for their season if they lose two home games to start the year. But I just – I just need to see it. I need to see it first. I need to see them look good. Then from this point forward, I will start like predicting them to win and betting on them, et cetera.
0: Exactly. Like I'm not. This is a game I'm not betting on at all. Like this is like kind of a stay away. Like don't want to bet it kind of game. But yeah, no. I'm just gonna go with the Rams just because. Look, at like from what I saw last week and from the Colt. Like what you saw from the two teams. But for all I know, I could be wrong on this. But at the end of the day, I'm just gonna go with the team I feel like has the better chance at winning this game. Yeah. Um, moving on to a game now where I honestly think could be a sneaky good game this weekend between the Raiders and the Steelers. Also, I just re- re- uh, remember today protege versus apprentice game with Mike Tomlin and John Gruden because uh, Mike Tomlin got his start with uh, he was on the Buccaneers coaching the staff Bucks, in, yeah. in the early 2000s mm-hmm. but it's weird to think this too that Mike Tomlin has a better resume than John Gruden
1: yep yep uh, all things considered absolutely It's it's not but, it's
0: not particularly close either yes the spread is actually at six points right now which honestly I would take Vegas with the points I think Vegas covers the spread but I'm going to go with the Steelers for the win I just feel like even though the offensive line for um, Pittsburgh what, isn't that good, I like their defense a lot. I like Pittsburgh's defense. Like T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, all looked good last week. Ben looked pretty okay. Najee Harris was a player I was always kind of concerned about going into the year, just with the new offensive line. He played really well week one. Um, I'm gonna go, like I said, I'm going Steelers, but I'm taking the Ra- the, uh, the Ravens. Excuse me, I'm taking the Raiders to cover six points. But this also too, for those of you out there who aren't too familiar with old school football, this is a classic NFL rivalry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, deep history, deep tradition. Very randomly the other day, like uh I think because Derek Carr was asked about the Immaculate Reception, which was yes, you know, I saw that. Which was against the Raiders. And uh he even commented, Yeah, that ball touched the ground. Famously Franco Harris's catch off the hit from Jack Tatum that he scored a touchdown on in the last play of the game in the divisional round of the playoffs in 72 um you know either team was going to get beat by my Dolphins either way that was their year the Dolphins went 17 and 0 so I don't think it's that big of a deal but nonetheless uh the game the game the game by the by the uh, the, the Raiders beat writers were publishing like book reviews talking about talking about that game. Like uh, there was a lot of coverage of it this week because when these two teams play each other, it just, it brings up, you know, a lot of good team history. So that's what makes it a fun matchup. Here's a, a random fun fact is like the Raiders, the Raiders when they were like very bad, they they always beat the Steelers in these games. They beat them in 2018, the first year of the John Gruden rebuild. They beat them in 2013 with Terrell Pryor rushing for a 95 yard touchdown. Like, Every year the Steelers have missed the playoffs. They lost to the Raiders in the 2010s. So this is your litmus test for the 2021 Steelers. If they lose this game, they are not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I think I think it'll be a very close game. I have no strong feel on it. I will say the Ravens. The Ravens. So the Ravens blitzed Derek Carr a lot last week, and we'll talk about the Ravens and the Chiefs later. Um, the chi- Derek Carr is actually pretty good against the Blitz. His numbers against the Blitz are really, really good. It's when you can get pressure organically with four that he starts to struggle. Not when you Blitz, when you get pressure organically, that's when he like starts checking it down and panics and makes bad decisions, etc. So the Steelers last week against the Bills, they didn't Blitz a whole lot. They just organically got pressure with Watt, Melvin Ingram, looked great, etc. And the Raiders O-line, to me at least, it did look a little bit worse than last year. So... I think the Steelers can make his life hell by getting pressure organically with four, not blitzing. And I think their D-line can beat the O-line on this day. Uh, But the general rule with Mike Tomlin is you take him as a big underdog. Like last week was a classic spot for him to like cover the spread. Like winning outright was a different thing. But he's usually really good as an underdog and really bad as a favorite. So it's the spread, I think, I'm kind of with you. I think like Steelers win like 23-20.
0: Uh, I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to go 27-23 with this game. Uh, that also does hit the over. The over-under The over under for this game is 47 points. Because uh, I was wrong with Monday night. I thought Monday night's under was going to hit with, uh, I believe it was 50. I didn't expect the game to be 33-27 at all, to be honest with you. But no, we'll talk about the Ravens a bit later. But no, this game, like, I think, because if the Steelers start 2-0, and they're going to turn some heads. But at the same time, too... The Raiders going one and one and zero oh is huge for them because all things considered. Because then now they obviously have the Steelers this Sunday, but then they have your Dolphins next Sunday. So I think if the Raiders were to lose this game, it's not the end of the world. But even though I did say that I'm picking the Steelers, it wouldn't shock me to see if the uh, Raiders did win this game.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think I think next Sunday is actually a bad spot for the Dolphins if they win. If they beat the Bills. Like, that's such an emotional adrenaline rush beating the Patriots and the Bills to start the season that I think at Vegas with that very that loud – yeah, I, I kind of think so. Even though, even though like, there, there's revenge for Tua um, specifically because he got benched in that game. But I don't know if there's revenge for the Dolphins team as a whole. They ended up winning. If anything, the Raiders are going to want payback. So, yeah, I think I'm, I am concerned about that spot if the Dolphins win, that the Raiders game could easily be a track game for them.
0: I completely understand. And now moving on to the last game, of the one o'clock slot. Obviously, Patriots at Jets. Um, we all see the injuries. I think, I you all know where I stand. I think we know where Big Rat's going with this. Um, I, I said I heard people saying this. I'm going to agree with it. If the Jets' offensive line doesn't get their act together, Zach Wilson's going to get hurt eventually. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Wishing for injury or anything like that. I'm just saying that from a point of you need to protect your quarterback. Because the the Car- the fact that the Carolina Panthers defense, which is good on its own, like I said, Brian Burns, uh, Derek Brown actually had a really good game last Sunday, the uh, first round pick out of Auburn last year, but the fact that they got I think it was six, he got sacked six times last Sunday. Yeah, you've got Josu Uche, who breakout candidate for this year, second year player out of Michigan, Chase Winovich, Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, Matthew Judon. Dietrich Wise Jr., Devin Godshall coming at you. If the Jets' offensive line has a bad day, this could be a really, really long day for Zach Wilson. But that's that's the only thing I got to say for this game because, like, I honestly think that the Patriots are gonna the Patriots are gonna win. Uh, score, I'm not gonna say a score. I just think it's either gonna be close, like a one possession game, like where the Jets cover, or the Patriots just absolutely destroy them because that's usually how most Patriots Jets games go.
1: Yeah, and also like when you have a rookie quarterback, like that's some of the volatility you can expect. Cause we know the drill. Belichick against the rookie quarterback. He crushes them. We said that on this podcast last year before they played the Chargers. And I remember there was a lot nothing. of
0: people. What? 45
1: nothing. 45 nothing. And there was there I remember that week there was a lot I saw some people from Vegas saying, like, oh my God, this is a donkey take. Justin Herbert is much better than most rookie quarterbacks Belichick plays. So it won't be the same because Herbert is like one of the best rookie quarterbacks ever. And it ended up being exactly the same. Herbert played just as bad as every other rookie quarterback does against Belichick. So uh, for that reason, you could totally, you could totally see, you know, the Jets giving up five sacks, Zach Wilson having like three picks. You could totally see that route, but you could see the case for the Jets covering because, Mac is also a rookie quarterback. I didn't. I didn't get to talk about Mac a whole lot as much as you and Phil did. I'll just say, like, <clears throat> I did think he looked good. You know, I was. I was impressed. Uh, all things considered, I think. You know, he did. He did check it down a lot, which you know, when the Dolphins are blitzing, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. So he shouldn't get punished for that necessarily. So I'm not going to hold it against him for for the checkdowns for making the right play at the right time and not getting sacked. Uh, he does deserve credit for that. I think over the course of the season, he's going to have to stretch the field a little bit more um, because, like I said, he was 27th in the NFL on average depth of target this past weekend. So he's going to have to start taking some of those deep shots. But those guys are going to have to get open also. Like they're not always going to get open. So he's going to have to go underneath to James White, to the tight ends from time to time. Overall, I thought he played well. But you guys know this. He is a rookie. He could implode at any moment. Like Tua's, Tua's worst games last year were against the 5-11 and 11 Broncos and the 8-8 and 8 Raiders, who had a horrible defense. His worst game was not against Belichick's Patriots. It was not against the Chiefs. It was not against the Rams. It was against, like, two bad teams. Like, you just never know when the rookie quarterback bad games are going to come. So that's the case for how the Jets keep this close. Like, Zach Wilson plays bad, but Mac Jones randomly has a bad game against Salah's defense. Uh, but I think the Patriots are going to win. I'm picking them in Survivor this week. I think it's pretty safe, Belichick against rookie quarterback, and yeah.
0: Um, the only thing I'm going to add to for this game right now is let me just get my. I just got to get the app back up and running. I closed it for some reason. Uh, Forty-three is the over/under. Uh, I, if I'm betting, I don't like to bet on Patriots games. Uh, I would probably go under just because. Look, there is that chance that both rookie rookie quarterbacks don't have a good game. Yep. That just comes down to hey, which defense you know can. Maybe get a get a turnover here or there because, like, remember last year's game? And I always say this too, where that Monday Night Football game, the Jets should have beat the Patriots, but it was that Joe Flacco, uh that Joe Flacco play action pass with like six minutes to go, where I was just like, "What are you doing?" And then he just JC Jackson picked it off. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the four o'clock window, and the first game features a team who surprised a lot of people last Sunday. The Minnesota Vikings visiting the Arizona Cardinals. I think both teams surprised probably for, for different reasons. But this game right here is a three-and-a-half point spread, 50.5 is the over-under. I think this is a very – this I you know, this is going to be a dogfight <coughs> kind of game. I think this is going to be your 23-20 kind of football game where the Cardinals aren't as hot as last week. But at the same time, too, if that Minnesota defense – you know, kind of lets it down a bit. They could be in a lot of trouble. But at the same time, too, I think, I think there's a little bit more trouble in Minnesota than we think. Because, like, look, Justin Jefferson didn't have a good game. Dalvin Cook didn't really have a good game. And Kyler Murray lit up the Tennessee Titans, proving my. We'll get to them later. That the Titans not exactly as good as last year. But um, no, nah, for this one, just straight up, I'm going. I'm going Arizona. This is one of the only games
1: that I really don't know. I guess the Colts Rams was similar, but like like I told you if I had to pick, I would just bet on the Colts not quite having their act together yet and the Rams like being better. Uh but in the, I I genuinely don't know what to think. A lot of betting people think this is a good spot for the Vikings, right? Like it's the classic week 2 thing. The Cardinals looked great last week. The Vikings lost to the Bengals in a game they were favored. Like it's the classic, you know, Maybe the Vikings are a little bit better than we think. The Cardinals are a little bit worse. Let's not overreact to week one, but I'm with you. I I could just totally see the Cardinals like winning this game by five points. And if they do that, they cover. So I just don't, I have no real read on this one. I think this is one of the harder games to predict this week. Like I could see the Vikings bounce back. I could see the Cardinals continuing their, 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 you know, offense, especially since their D line looked pretty good. Their D line looked pretty good last week, the Cardinals and the Vikings O line. Isn't that great? So, like, that, there's a route for them to, like, control the game on that end as well. So, I genuinely don't know. I, If I had to pick, I guess I'm just going to pick the home team, like, boringly. But, like, uh, I, I genuinely have no clue what's going to happen this game.
0: Um, also, to homecoming game for Patrick Peterson, who spent the first uh, ten seasons of his career with the Arizona Cardinals. This is another game where then there's a lot of, like, tricky bets to make this week, like, games I just want to avoid. But the next one, there's no tricks here. Uh, Twelve-and-a-half point favorite. Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Arizona Cardinals. And what what I said this before, I don't understand why this is a four o'clock game. I understand, look, the box of the Super Bowl champs, this belongs in a one o'clock window. My que- this this is like Jacksonville versus uh Denver. Does Atlanta cover or does Atlanta not cover? Because Jesus Christ, last week was an abomination.
1: Yeah, Atlanta looked very bad last week. I think they were they were beat. On both lines, they were beat on both lines of scrimmage. Um, they they got beat on the offense and defensive line because the Eagles, like we talked about, they have very good line play. All their all their linemen are just very old. Um, they have five starting offensive linemen over the age of thirty, uh, but they're good. So you could counter by saying, okay, the Eagles are maybe not as are better than we think. So maybe the Falcons won't be it won't be that bad. But the Bucks also have a good O line. The Bucks also have a good D line. So that that doesn't really counter the argument very well. You know, it is a division game. I think the Bucks secondary looked a little questionable. Like um I don't think that was all the Cowboys receivers. I think their secondary has some leaks to it that I think the Falcons could exploit. But this is just also the kind of game where you could see Matt Ryan getting sacked like five times. So I have no clue. I think it's much like the much like the I forget which game we said this about earlier. I think the Texans Oh, yeah, the Texans Brown game. It's yes. going to depend it's going to depend on whether or not they get a touchdown on their fourth quarter touchdown drive. If they do, if they do get a touchdown in the fourth quarter, I think they'll cover. But if they don't, then, then they won't. It's a division, but for everyone, everyone who wants to like bet the box, like if you want to take them survive, are fine. But historically, like these are the spots I hate taking, like the division team that everyone thinks is better being favored by so many points because anything can happen in a division game. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If the bucks only won this game by seven points. So like, I would just be careful, like betting on the Bucks here.
0: I think this is a very good chance for a backdoor cover. Um, okay, they yeah, that's a penalty. I thought for a second, I was like, I was I missed the call, so I was trying to see where the penalty was. I'm but, pissed.
1: Um, I'm pissed. I have Sterling Shepard. I wanted that catch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I have the under though, so I just don't want the points to happen. Like they could just kick field goals for the rest of the game and I'll be happy. Shepard!
1: God, oh, sorry. I'm a little bit ahead. I just pulled... Something. Hey, dude,
0: dude, it's it's okay. Honestly, there's, like... Like, I know I got money on the line, but it's not, like, there's anything, like... Like, and also, too, folks, for the one I say, I got money on the line, I'm not out here. Oh, God, Lord. Um, I don't have, Because that's the one thing, also, I'm going to say this, too, when we talk about betting... Uh, bet responsibly, and if you have a problem, please seek help for it. I'm not saying that just, like, oh, make fun of anyone. I'm actually being serious. If you do have a gambling problem, please seek help and only bet. I have a motto. Bet what you can afford to lose, or bet what you'll be okay losing. Like, say, for example, and you're not going to regret losing that money. Like, tonight's game, I have – between my two bets, I bet 25 bucks.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love betting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> bet responsibly, and uh Yeah. Uh, makes makes it fun, but yeah, do 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 it properly. And uh, so now, what what were we on? Uh, oh yeah, Bucks.
0: Yeah. The last thing I'm gonna say about this game is I can see a backdoor cover like San Francisco, Detroit. Like you know where the Bucks are up like thirty eight to like seventeen, but then the the Bucks end up like the Bucks make it to like I don't know twenty seven. So it's like a thirty eight to twenty seven kind of game. Yep. Um, next game too, which I honestly think is you know I said sneaky good game of the week earlier with uh. Beliefs, Raiders, Steelers. This is the game I think will be game of the week, and that's the Cowboys at the Chargers. Chargers open as a three-and-a-half-point favorite over under at 55. Bet the over if you're betting this game. I think this – I'm going to go Chargers, but this is, I think this is going to be a bit of a fight. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys here. I think it's close, though. Uh, I think the – you know, it's going to be a back-and-forth game. I think it's going to be a coin-flip game, much like how last week was a, was a coin-flip game uh for the for the for the chargers. You know, there there was definitely ways they could have lost that game. So I think it's close. I understand that people are concerned about the Cowboys losing to Marcus Lawrence and I and I get it. Like, you know, he's their best defensive player. That's obviously a big deal. But, you know, their D line wasn't good last week anyways. Brady, I think, was the least sacked quarterback in the league or the least pressured quarterback in the league, one of the two. So I think uh you know, I think their defense was gonna get beat up either way. So I don't think it particularly affects the outcome of the game necessarily. Obviously it would have helped to have him not, not, not denying that. Uh, But I, I think, I think I'm going to take the Cowboys. I'm definitely going to take the Cowboys on the spread. If you can get it at three and a half, because even if the Cowboys, even if the Cowboys, uh, even if the Cowboys uh, uh, lose this game, if the Cowboys lose this game, they're probably going to lose it by a field goal. It's probably going to be a really close game. So definitely take the Cowboys on the spread would be my recommendation at three and a half.
0: Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Oh, sorry about that, folks. Just the Darius Slayton touchdown, man. Nice. Um, what was I going to say? I think it's at 41 and a half. So if they can, like, the, the football team can, like, get a touchdown later. Oh, it's only, oh, yeah, yeah, so never mind. Um... Oh that's what I thought, yeah, this like this is the makings of like, you know, like a twenty like a thirty to twenty seven, like a thirty one to twenty seven, somewhere in that range kind of game. Because the uh, what was I gonna say the the Gi- the, the not the Giants. The uh, Chargers didn't put up a crazy amount of points last week, but they did enough just to win. But my whole thing with the Dallas Cowboys is I feel like if their offense has a bad game, that's when they'll lose. Like I think their defense could cost them games, but obviously it's not that good. But um I think if the offense, like if the offense does enough to win, that's what that'll happen. I think this game comes down to how good does the Chargers defense play.
1: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you there, and it's very possible that the it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Chargers defense actually like defends the Cowboys defense a little bit better than the Bucks did. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it's gonna be a close game either way. I'm gonna take the Cowboys by I'm gonna take the Cowboys by a field goal, but definitely recommend Cowboys on the spread because I think that if they lose, they're not gonna get blown out. So
0: yeah. Not exactly. Moving on now to the Tennessee Titans of the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle opens to a six and a half point favorite. Titan uh, over under fifty four and a half. This is such a toss up just because I'll, I'll say this right now, and because um, mainly who pointed this out was Austin Gale of uh, the Tailgate Podcast and Football Focus. The Todd Downing experiment with the uh, offensive coordinator, uh, because the last time he was an offensive coordinator was in twenty seventeen with Oakland, and they didn't. They had an OK season. I think they were like seven and nine or eight and eight that year. But man Tennessee did not look good at all last weekend, and Seattle looked really good, so like i'm I'm honestly really confused to who to pick, but I think six and a half points uh you got to take the points on this one i think that the I don't think the Seahawks cover I think this is a um you can bet it for survival I think the Seahawks will win actually, but when it comes down to it, I think you have to go um take the Titans to cover this one i think they'll I think they'll lose but it'll be a close lose and then Setting up a potentially 0 and 2 versus 0 and 2 game week three between the Titans and the Colts. Yeah,
1: I'm a uh, I am i am kind of the same way picking the picking the Hawks or picking the Hawks by three. The general rule of thumb with the Seahawks is that they either win by a field goal or lose by a field goal. They play close games every single week. Last week being an exception. So I'll stick to that team. I'm with you. You still there, big rat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did, right,
0: cool. did you hear me? You sorry, you cut out a bit there.
1: Oh yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say yeah. The Seahawks, I have winning by a field goal. The Titans have some. You know, the Titans also had COVID problems that maybe slowed their momentum in training camp a little bit. And uh, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the. I'm gonna pick the the Seahawks here by three.
0: You know what? I'm gonna go with the same thing. I'm gonna say like because 54, 54 points. I could see that potentially happening. I'm gonna go 31 to 28. Sounds good. That's my score prediction. Now Sunday night football: Chiefs at Ravens. It's the same thing—the demon on their back—with the um, Chiefs visiting the Ravens. Like this, this game I think though is the same as Patriots Jets. It's either gonna be won by a field goal or because, like, remember last year too, when everyone was—I remember like because it, it, it was the Raiders Saints Monday Night Football game where everyone was hyping it up and basically saying this whole. You know, Ferrari, Lamborghini, it's going to be this great Monday night football game. And the game was the game was okay, but then three nights later, we had a great Jet Bronco game, believe it or not. So I feel like with these teams, it can go one of two ways, where it's either, you know, a really close game or, like, one team just takes it and runs away with it. And if there was to be a team that takes it and runs away with it, it is Kansas City. And I'm going to say this right now, but Panthers and Texans, uh, not an attractive Thursday night primetime matchup.
1: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh I mean that we thought this one was bad and it's actually been a little better than expected. So, so, so then uh, for for the Chiefs, for the Chiefs then the only other thing I would say is that I think that the I think that the this game is like obviously a big game for for Baltimore. You know, Baltimore keeps losing to Kansas City. And every year, it's kind of the same thing. People predict Baltimore is finally going to win, and then they lose. And this year, we've gone the other direction. Now everyone's saying, "Well, obviously the Chiefs own them. The Baltimore, the Ravens are going to blitz Mahomes a hundred times, and they're going to get lit up. And their offensive line isn't good. Ronnie Stanley's not going to play apparently. And I just don't, I don't think, I don't think it's going to go down that way. I think the Ravens need to win this game. It's prime time in front of their home fans your offensive and defensive linemen tend to play better at home than on the road. And you kind of saw that on Monday night football on the road, their tackles got destroyed by Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby. And I think their tackles are going to play better. Ronnie Stanley isn't going to play, but Villanueva is going to move to left tackle. That's the position he played with Pittsburgh for all those years. So I think he's going to be more comfortable in that spot. Chiefs defense ranked 31st in football outsiders, DVOA in week one, their defense got lit up by Cleveland. So I just don't think this is going to follow the same script. I think the Chiefs' defense is bad. I think the Ravens are desperate. They're going to be in front of their home fans. It's Sunday night football. I think the Ravens are going to put up a good fight. I think this is too well-coached a team to keep making the same mistakes every time. I don't think they're just going to blitz Mahomes like crazy and then have Mahomes light them up for four touchdowns again. I just think this is too smart a team to let that continue to happen. So... I'm going to predict the Ravens pull off the upset and win. I would take them on the spread too because if they lose, I don't think it's going to be like Monday Night Football last year. I don't think they're going to get killed. I think if they lose, they're going to lose close. And you can get them at three and a half right now. So I'm going to pick the Ravens here.
0: I'm the same way, by the way. I'm not taking the – I think it would be silly to take the um, Chiefs to cover three and a half. I think this is a field goal. I'm going to go – 28. I'm going to go 27-24 again. I know it's just the generic football scores, but hey, that's what you know and love best. Also, I just realized this game, too, was uh, this game uh, is, uh, oh, I just got to double check the over-under for this game. I'm pretty sure it's only at 41.5 when I bet it. So I use a Canadian website called Bet99. So if it is 41.5, I'm in a good boat. Uh, but no, this game, honestly, the more I think about it, I don't think there's an ass kicking in. I know I said, hey, it could happen at the end. End of the day, realistically, I can't see that happening as it is, it is 41 and a half. So as long as it can stay at 41, I'm golden. Um, oh, who, who, number, uh, that's De'Ami Brown almost had a nice catch there. But um, no, with this game right here, look, I think Baltimore's going to put up a good fight. But at the end of the day, I think Kansas City is going to do just enough to win. You know, like how, and I'll reference it again because look, he's my guy. All those, like, class – like, you remember the Chiefs-Patriots Sunday night football game in 2018 when Mahomes yeah. came into Gillette and they went to – like, where the, the Patriots held him in check but Mahomes came back? I'm yeah. not saying that's going to happen, but you know how Brady had that drive to get them down the field in the field goal range and win it on the field goal at the buzzer? Yep. I can see that happening this Sunday night.
1: Yeah. Something very similar. And
0: I just yeah. – I don't know if – you know, the Ravens
1: the, – the Chiefs have defended the Ravens well like Lamar's not played well against the chiefs in any of these games. So everyone always says, Oh, they run deep. The chiefs run defense is so bad. The Ravens should run all over them. And it never happens because they have a good plan for defending Lamar scrambles, but it just wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if the Ravens finally run the ball really well, because I just think the chiefs run defense is too bad to consistently like get away with this against the Ravens. So that's my prediction.
0: No, I completely understand that. It's all good. Um, but the next – like an, and, like, obviously, too, I think we're off this game. But then, like I said, there's just – this is, can go either way. I'm just glad this spot is in Sunday Night Football, not Monday Night Football because it's, like, for as good – like, for as rich in history Monday Night Football is, there's just always something about Sunday night, you know?
1: There's an aura. There's an, there's an aura that makes it feel like like a really big game.
0: Exactly. And we're only two weeks away from a very emotional Sunday night football game, which there'll be a lot more events leading up to that on this podcast that I'm starting to get work done on. Um but last but not least we got Monday Night Football, Packers at Lions. I'm gonna say this right now, Packers get back, but folks don't go crazy thinking that the Packers are gonna blow them out. Honestly, until Green Bay proves it, take Detroit to cover. I
1: mean we, we saw the we saw this with the Lions last week too. They were losing forty one to seventeen and they just – they put up a fight. They rally. They come back. You know, like even if the, even if the Packers are up by three touchdowns, the Lions aren't going to quit. They're going to like – God, Cosme's having such a bad game. Yeah, that was that was a brutal penalty. My God. I might have killed the entire drive. Like we'll see if they can do something on third and long, but
0: so, – Sorry to cut you off. I just noticed that in the moment. Oh, man. Sam Cosme has looked like crap.
1: Uh, but, yeah, like, even if the Lions are down multiple touchdowns, they can they can mount a comeback. So, wouldn't surprise me at all if they covered. Taking the, the, Pack- they- the Packers, obviously.
0: Yeah, I'm taking the Packers to win. But you know what the thing is going to be, too? The Packers can win this game, and then everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers is back. He's MVP. He's this, he's this, he's this. It's like, no, I think the Packers really have to go out there and have a dominant effort on both sides of the ball to truly prove to the NFL that, look, these guys are back to what they were.
1: Yeah, yeah, they need to, like it- – for them bouncing back cuz like the standards are different for them you know they're trying to win the super bowl they're not just trying to make the playoffs or you know like to be like a winning a team with a winning record if they want to prove they're a super bowl team you got to crush them you got to you got to like dig your heels in here so we'll see
0: they're also in um they're on Sunday night football next sunday week 3 at San Francisco a spot where they relatively have not done too too well which uh I just realized I'm probably losing money on this game because I have football team money line and I also have the under. So we'll see if both legs of the if I we'll see if maybe I'll, I'll probably get one leg of the parlay. Hopefully, All right. if worst case scenario, I'm down some money. But I know I keep going off track, folks. That's what I do. But no, <laughs> um, I think too is if um with Green Bay, they relatively have not done well in California. I know they won last year on Thursday night, but. Remember twenty twenty nineteen, they went to the L.A. Chargers, got their asses handed to them, and then three weeks later went back to San Francisco Sunday Night Football, got their asses kicked, and then we all know what the NFC Championship game in twenty twenty. Yeah, my big thing here is look, if the if the Niners, not the Niners, if the Packers don't look impressive, uh, I honestly you start to ring alarm bells if they have a close game against a team like Detroit. It's something to worry about, but I'm going to say it's about the Lions too, and Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff now that there's not this pressure on him that you know lead the Rams to the Super Bowl, the fact that he—I think he can just get out there and play football. Like, there's no real, like, oh, hey, if you do this or this, if you make mistakes, you're not going to be reamed out or you're not going to be called out by the media for it. It's just, look, it's another game. It's another day. Will he eventually be replaced by a young draft prospect? Probably. But I'm saying this for now. I'm not going to put the panic alarm on him just because he's bad or just because he has a couple bad games here or there. And even, too, this is a team where, look, I think the same thing can happen. Hey, for all we know, Green Bay comes up to a big lead and then kind of takes their foot off the gas pedal. But at the same time, too, if I'm going for a scoreline for this, I'm going to say 31 to 20.
1: Yeah, I'll predict something similar. Probably, like, 30 to 20, just to be ever so slightly different. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, Jared Goff can kind of do – like, this is what it reminded me of watching them last week, especially, you know, Dan Campbell, like, the motivational rallying coach. They can kind of be, like – they can kind of be like uh, the 2019 Dolphins where with Fitzpatrick, you know, they would get killed. You know, they would get killed some weeks and the, the Lions will get destroyed some weeks and there'll be other weeks where like Fitzpatrick is organizing touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. I can kind of see that here where like some weeks are just going to get destroyed and then some weeks with Goff and Dan Campbell, like they're just going to put up a fight and they're going to like never give up and keep going down the field. And uh, I think that was impressive in week one, just seeing them. Have that fight, you know, and I think that's what you'll see. They'll they'll be a bad team. They will lose a lot of games. They probably will get a new quarterback. But, like, you know, just for the fun rebuilding year, after some blowouts, some other ones, they'll be rallying in the fourth quarter to keep their fans entertained, and maybe they do that on Monday. We'll see. But, yeah, Packers win.
0: Yeah, you know, Packers win. But, like I said, too, um, take it with a grain of salt if you are a Packers fan because, look, I don't think you can go from, hey, even to 38 to 3, getting your asses kicked by the Saints, to – hey, if you beat the Lions, the team you're expected to beat. Because even to remember a few years ago, I think there was a Week 17 game where the Lions – I know this is still the Matt Stafford Lions, but the Lions were still out of it. The Packers had to go downfield and win by a field goal.
1: Yeah. I
0: that, think was that was Tuesday. I was the same day as the, Miami, the big Miami upset against New England. So I'm just saying that right now where it's like just because one thing happens, just um, – don't take it for granted, you know. Don't like. I, don't take a pack. Don't take it like for a win. Like, where, oh, you know, Packers are going to win. They're going to steamroll them. No, you got to you got to look at it log- just logically.
1: The other both both lines games that you were close. There was the game on Monday Night Football where they won by a field goal at the buzzer after There's some bullshit bad. Reffing, though. Yeah, with some bad calls, and then they rematched in Week 17, and it was also a close one that they needed to make a field goal at the buzzer. So yeah.
0: And I think that, you know what, folks, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up. We're uh, Hope you enjoy the rest of the Daniel Jones primetime. You know what? November 1st. I'm not saying, Big Red, that's the next time you'll be on, buddy. But that's the next time you'll 100% be on is Monday, November 1st, <laughs> when the uh, Giants travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. And then November 22nd, watch the Giants play the Bucs because we all know, look, we'd rather be watching football than raw. You, you could put the Chiefs and the Bucs on primetime against anyone.
1: And you chose the Giants for each of those games. I, and I, I know those teams have other primetime games, but come on. Why, why were those like the best games for the Chiefs and the Bucks to put on primetime NFL? But I'm,
0: I'm re- looking forward to it. Sam, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm going to read out the uh, Chiefs primetime games for this year. They have this Sunday, obviously. Then they have Week 5 versus the Bills Sunday Night Football. The Monday Nighter against the Giants at Raiders on Sunday Night Football. And then weeks, and then week fifteen, they have at um, at the Chargers for Thursday night football, and then onto the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers for their primetime games, obviously they have Dallas week one, uh, obviously New England week four. This is a weird one too for the for the Buccaneers week six at Philadelphia Thursday night football.
1: Wow, that and is then
0: true. The other- yeah, and then the other ones are week, um, obviously week eleven against the Giants at home, and then week fifteen versus the Saints at home. That right what? there, if the Saints play the way they did, because remember, I also love this too. Everyone's like saying with the uh, with the with the Packers, where it was like, remember the Saints whooped the Packers last year, thirty-eight to three, and then they won the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, but this was week one, and there was a lot of scrutiny, and there was nothing coming out of the box. Last year was just them trying to gel. And then we all saw after their bye week, they went on a run and won the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, so that'll be an interesting game to track. Obviously, the Saints look good. But, like, just looking at the Chiefs schedule, it's like the Chiefs play the Cowboys. Like, we couldn't put that on primetime. Like, we had to put the Giants game on primetime instead. Like, there there were other opportunities. But, yeah, I, nonetheless, like, I, I look forward to being back on both those shows and obviously possibly another one in between. And,
0: uh, yeah, thank you. It's It's been a lot of fun. As you know what? No problem. Um, my thing when I look at that, too, is the um, when I see stuff like that Chiefs-Cowboys game, CBS probably, like, said, like, or probably p- gave the NFL a little bit of a m- money bump to be like, hey, we want that game.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah that's, that, that. That's, yeah, that's my feelings on it. Like, for example, NBC probably went to the NFL and saying, look, we want – because Sunday Night Football has never had the uh, – ravens and chiefs before the patriots buccaneers i feel like that was just a no-brainer for the nfl like if you put that on 425 on a sunday afternoon it's just not the same feeling for that buccaneers return yep no 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 doubt about that yeah and before i go folks just a time to announce uh monday is not confirmed yet but i believe danny will be on here to recap uh sunday's patriots uh jets game and then after that it is matt beast week as matt beast will be on thursday night with me and next Monday, basically, you know what that means, folks, because it is Patriots Saints Week 3. So he'll be on here to get you all ready for that. For Big Rat 310, I'm Griff. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Hopefully the Dolphins get the win on Sunday. I'll be cheering for them. Hopefully the Patriots get the win on Sunday. So hopefully for both of us next week, it is Victory Monday and not a sad Monday for either one of us. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully hopefully we get some good news. Uh, thanks, Griff. Appreciate it. No problem. Anytime, man. Well, anyway, folks, enjoy the rest of this Giants game, even though this will be up long after that game is over or by the time you're listening to it. But enjoy week two, guys. And like I said before, bet responsibly. And here's to another week of the NFL season. Goodbye, everyone.